this episode. What do you think is the single biggest uh, driver of globalization in the last 50 years? Lifting a big net full of stuff onto a ship. So 1952, he got a loan for $22 million to implement this idea. It's a and big so loan, isn't it? It's in the 1950s. Loan in the, yeah. But he's like the Steve Jobs of, uh, of transportation. A lot of innovation happens in that incremental way, right? They do that and they go, oh, that's not quite right. And it invites your audience to be part of the, uh, of, the, of the telling of the story. Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everybody. I'm Sean Callahan. And hi, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. Well, we've... Um getting back into it and uh, only a few more weeks to the end of the year. But Mark, I believe you have something for us in terms of world trade. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I spent 20 years in the, in the air force as a, as a logistics officer. And so this little story is close to my heart. <laughs> um, and I just invite the audience to think, to reflect, what do you think is the single biggest uh, driver of globalization in the last 50 years. Globalization. Mm. So just, just have a have a think about that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh this this story really highlights how single individuals can make a huge impact on the world. And so uh in the mid-1930s, a guy called uh, Malcolm McLean uh he couldn't afford to go to college. So when he finished high school, uh, he and his brother and sister bought a used truck and started the McLean Shipping Company in North Carolina. And they were pretty successful and they grew. And one of the things that really frustrated Malcolm was the time and cost of shipping, uh, the transition from uh, sh- from trucks to boats to ships. Yeah. And uh, we're talking now in the, uh, the 1940s and... It was uh, uh, most goods were carried in uh, crates or uh, uh, sacks or bags, you know, boxes, and you probably got that image of of a crane lifting a big net full of stuff onto a ship. Yeah, well, that's how yeah. it was done, right? It, they yep. lowered it down into the hold, and then they released the net, and then people took all those boxes and crates and bags and stacked Packed them, them and, and then you know the the net went back up and they refilled it on the shore. Anyway, it took three weeks from the moment a ship docked on average until it was unloaded and then reloaded and could sail again. Three weeks. Wow. Right? And, uh, and and ships only make money when they're at sea. So this is, you know, this is a, a pretty big thing. And I, did I say the cost? $5.86 per tonne is the estimate of how much it cost. Right, right. So, so a lot of money. And so... Uh, McLaren... Um, some Pelcom McLaren. I'm thinking <laughs> Buffalo Girls... <laughs> Um, so Malcolm McLean was looking at this and going, there has to be a better way. And so uh, in the, in the fort, he was he was thinking, how do I get my entire truck onto the ship? Right. right. So it, you know, so it took to cut down on some of the the the, the time and cost. And uh, but there was early attempts, and there was a bit of this during World War II. They called them trailer ships, where they would load entire trucks onto ships. But of course, now you don't have the truck at its home base, and so you need anyway. Didn't really work. And so he's still going, there has to be a solution to this problem. And then he came up with the idea of just of containerizing the truck contents so that you could just lift the container off the truck 
right. and put it on the ship. Yeah. And we're now in the 1950s. So 1952, he got a loan for $22 million to implement this idea. It's a and big loan, so, isn't it? It's in a the big 1950s. Loan in the, yeah. 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 And uh, he bought two World War II uh, tankers and set about converting them and to, to carry containers. And they settled on a container size of 20 feet by eight feet by eight feet. And so, you know, they constructed containers, they modified the ship. And in 1956, the that, that first container ship uh, sailed from Newark to uh, Houston with 58 containers on board. Right. And that moment changed the world because from that moment ships started to be designed around carrying containers and ship design changed completely and so now we're in a situation where there's 20 uh, estimated 20 million uh, containers in the world there are ships that can carry 20,000 of these containers what yeah i know i saw that how do you get i can't even imagine that yeah um i'm uh, does my head? In. I, I haven't actually fact checked that, so I, I will <laughs> fact check that because it it sounds slightly implausible. Right? So, um, and uh, so I got that from from Wikipedia. Could that's be... a big. That's a big ship. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, absolutely. Uh, so the time, the, from the time a ship docks, unloaded and reloaded is now twenty four hours on average. Yeah. So from three weeks to twenty four hours, the cost. The cost has re- reduced from five dollars eighty six to sixteen cents per ton. Yeah, and it suddenly became efficient to transport goods across the world. It became efficient. It became reliable. There was a lot less theft, a lot less loss. The ability to manage uh, the transportation became much easier. But one of the things that was a huge benefit was that companies could greatly reduce their inventory holdings. And you might say, oh, what's that? But inventory costs an enormous amount, both to own, Mm. right? The cost of the inventory itself, but the cost of storing and managing inventory is huge. So all of these things dramatically change the world, uh, the world landscape, the world transportation landscape. And of course, one of the amazing, well, amazing things, cool things, the container can go from a truck to to a train, to a ship seamlessly. Just yeah. all so. In answer to the question, uh, you know, what was the biggest driver of uh, globalization? Well, according to the Economist, it was a shipping container. A shipping container. A ship the humble shipping container, and which is pretty cool, right? That something so ordinary could have such a big impact on the planet. But also a, a tribute to McLean, right? In that. He was trying to solve a problem, and that one man, trying you know, persistent trying to solve that problem, has come up with something that that has changed the world. I, now this is could be, but he's like the Steve Jobs of of, uh, of transportation. <laughs> yeah, it's not as sexy, is it? No, not not quite, not quite. But hang on, as a as a from a logistics perspective, it's very sexy. It's like yeah. porn for logistics. Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> the um, yeah. So did they? Did they end up standardizing these? Yeah, they must have, right? Yeah. So, so the, yeah, good point. In 1950, so he he the first ship sailed in 1956. Twelve years later, 12 uh, in years. 1968, the International Standards Association uh, uh, adopted the 20 by 8 by 8 as yeah. the global stand as the standard uh, 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 crate well, size, right? And that that totally accelerated 
the the, the whole redesign of the international shipping uh, scene. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, because you can just imagine the craziness of uh, multiple container sizes or something like that. That would be yeah. uh, just Im- impossible oh, to yeah. manage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, good of course, one. Not, I love it. not not everybody liked that idea, I thought, because there was a huge amount of uh, of employment in loading and unloading, unloading ships, like huge. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, it would have changed that enormously. Yeah, and in fact, so they were, and they were called longshoremen. Yeah, 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 of course. Kind of, yeah. kind of a weird name. But um the as the as that first ship, the SS it was called the SS Ideal X, nineteen fifty six. As it was sailing, somebody interviewed the the president of the uh, or you know a senior official from the uh, from the International Longshoremen's Association, and what did he think of this new container fitted ship? And uh and this guy replied, I want to sink the bastard. Yeah, I bet, I bet. <laughs> Yeah, he can see the future. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that's the, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, globalization has caused a lot of those types of problems uh, around the world as well. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of swinging back a little bit, isn't it? I mean, I think people realise that they've they've become too reliant on um, manufacturing happening outside of of countries, and then being open to I don't know the fragility that can occur when a pandemic hits, for example. So, uh, oh yeah, yeah, totally. So you know, the the world is now embracing regionalization and localization. Yeah, um, yeah. I see Australia's Australia's new government is talking about you know bringing manufacturing back um, to Australia. So it's, yeah, it's interesting what's happening. Yeah, well, just amazing, just how a few incidents have uh, really revealed the the fragility of some of the assumptions underpinning uh, global global trade and global relationships. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And you can't just go, yep, everything will be fine. Right. Now, we better get back onto the story. Um, so what did you like telling about that story? What what bits in that story you enjoyed? Well, I, I mean, the contrasts were, uh, I, I really like the contrasts, you know, three weeks to 24 hours, $5.86 to 16 cents. Yeah. They, they really they really help. Um, the guy's persistence, I, I like that. I kind of could picture him looking at a truck, at a, alongside a ship and going, damn, this is so frustrating. I like the, you it's know, the long. first, I like how the first instance of this is actually putting a truck on the ship, right? Yeah. It's kind of like the obvious way to innovation, isn't it? Like, okay, we need to get these, we need to pack it faster. Well, let's just drive the truck on the ship. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, and I think it, a lot of innovation happens in that incremental way, right? They do that and they go, oh, that's not quite right, you know? Yeah, it's like an experiment. You learn lessons. First, you yeah, go, mm. first the first experiment. Yeah, we got that causes other problems. Yeah, so I like that. I, it was, I like that those things were quite visual for me, you know, and listening to the story. I can imagine these these ships and, you know, and the, the, the 20,000 containers, that was a, an imagination I had to sort of get my head around. Um Though, you know, the thing that made me feel it was plausible is I heard, um, remember in there was that story of the Panama Canal and there was a ship that got stuck sideways yes. and it blocked the Panama Canal? Mm-hmm. Well, people were trying to give an, uh, a feeling to uh, you know their readers as to how big that ship was. Well, uh, one journalist said, imagine if you take the Empire State Building and lie it on its side 
that's the length of that ship, right? Now, with that in my head, I could plausibly believe 20,000 containers. Yep. Right? Because it just shows you how big these things are. They're just gigantic. Um, so, you know, so for example, number getting that size, um, helping people understand how big these ships are might be part of the story, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and adding that little uh, that little vignette about the, the Panama Canal and Empire State Building. That can, yeah, that yeah can help really people. Help. Yeah, yeah. I did think that um, the I, I, as I was uh, kind of researching this, I was picturing those images of of uh, cranes loading those big nets full of cargo. Um, I got that image really clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an image that you sort of see in movies over and over again, don't you? Yeah, um, ye oldie movies. Ye oldie. Yep. Um, so. I guess we've touched on it, but anything here that we'd want to try to improve in that story? Um, well, look, I, I think that there's a there's a shorter version of, of that story. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. A short version. You know, um, I think if the point is around, you know, McLean being this persistent sort of innovator, you know, I, I wouldn't mind a little bit more of a snapshot of who what this guy looked like. Um, but also for him to appear in the story a bit more often. Um, now, because you know, clearly he's involved, um, but obviously at some point he just it tears away from him. When did he die, I wonder? Did, did he get to see the sort of global oh, reach of containers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, you know, he started uh, McLean Shipping or McLean Industries and, uh, you know, he, he kind of led from the front. In, yeah, right. Uh, in the adoption of uh, containerization as the uh, as the way forward. So yeah, he was very much. Uh, uh, so he got to see it all come to fruition. Yep. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, he didn't die till two thousand and one, so he saw oh, the right. whole thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that'd be pretty good to see. Uh, yeah, that change. Yeah, you'd really be amazed to look at a port and think, ah. Oh, I changed the world. So, what about business points? Um, yeah, and 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 again, you tell it differently for different different points. But I guess yeah. uh, from unexpected, you know, huge change comes from unexpected uh, sources. Yeah, yeah, I think too. It's um, it's sort of a classic problem solving story, isn't it? You know, and through that solving a problem has this massive outside, you know, outsized impact. So, yeah, I think yep. that's very interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and and you know about you know the person who's uh, you know the, the lone voice might just be the person who's got the perfect idea. Yes, yeah, I like that, and I think it too. It's almost like having that idea in your head is we could do it in a better way. What would be a better way to do this? You know, like we've done it the same way over and over again. But let's what is it? There's got to be a better way. Yeah, that that mindset can just, you know, as you've seen, transform an industry. Yeah, um, and so that that leads to um, uh, persistence. Yeah. So you know, you can have a business point about persistence. You know, yeah, yeah. The problem that was there to be solved and it was solved incrementally. It wasn't solved in a, you know, in a flash of inspiration. He must have um, his pitch for his twenty-two million bucks oh. uh, to get that was must have been pretty. Uh, 
pretty persuasive. Like that, twenty-two million bucks back in the nineteen what fifties. Yep, nineteen fifty-two. That's a lot of money. That'd be kind of probably the equivalent of a hundred million this these days at the least. So, um, yeah, it'd be nice to know a little bit more about. It. I'm not saying it should be in the story. I'm just I'm just sort of wondering you know, about that. Um, yeah. Okay. Good. Well, there's some good points, listeners. If you think yeah. of any other points, please put them in the comments. We'd love to hear them. But um, any other uh, sort of relevant statements that you would add to this, Mark? Oh, only the you know I I, 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 I preface it with a mystery story. Yeah, you know, like with the mystery. You know, think. Oh of, yes, you did that. Yeah, yeah. What's the biggest impact? You know, just have a think. What do you think is the biggest has had the biggest impact on globalization? And the ones I was thinking of had nothing to do with shipping containers, right? <laughs> I was thinking about the internet or I was thinking of just uh, reduction of price, you know, the fact that you can make things cheaper overseas. Uh, they were, I thought they were the, might've been the drivers, but I like the shipping container. It's a nice, it's a, it's a reveal that you go, oh yeah, I hadn't thought of that as a, a possible uh, emphasis or impact. So yeah. So I'm, good. I'm exploring, you know, this idea of mystery stories increasingly. Yes. And uh, so um, that's why I started with that with that question. You know, get invite people to go. Oh, I wonder what so it is. The, the structure of a mystery story uh, seems to be one where you know you, you obviously pose the you know the problem or the the mystery, um, and then through the story, it's like, well, we thought it might be this, but it's not that, and then we thought it might be this, and it's not that. But it's this. It's this third thing. Mm, but know, what that, could it be? And here it is. It be? And here it is. And that seems to be the structure of a mystery story. Um, yeah. I mean, your mystery stories are fascinating because they're the most read or watched type of story in the world. We, the, the highest selling author in the world today is Agatha Christie. You know? And all she did was mystery stories. Or mainly did mystery stories. So... Um, yeah, we love them for some reason. We humans do love that, so it's a good idea to catch things in those terms. Hmm. Fantastic! Yeah, and just, and in, it invites your audience to be part of the uh, of the of the telling of the story. Yeah. Hey, just on that, I was watching Quentin Tarantino talk about um, Inglorious Bastards, and I didn't really notice it, but uh, Brad Pitt's character has this big rope scar across his throat. Mm -hmm. Right. And there is no mention of it in the whole movie. Right. And so the interviewer is asking Tarantino, I said, why, why have this? And he said, well, it's because it invites the, the viewer to come up with a story that explains it. And now what they see is their version of the story. They have their own version. And I'm never going to come out and say, you know, oh, no, this is what happened because I want them to own this movie a little bit. And it's exactly what you're saying, right? Yeah. You know, if you can have elements in the story that people connect to and engage and don't, you don't have the full answer, but they can make up a little bit themselves. That's powerful stuff, right? Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Well, that's probably it for done it for us for today. So thanks again for listening. <laughs> Stand by. Stand by. Oh, no, I got excited there, didn't I? Yeah, you did. You got you got really excited.
Okay, we need to I give know, it a rating. We got to give some ratings. Okay. I mean, I really love this story. I, it's for me. It's a. I mean, I like history too. I think it's an eight out of ten for me. It's a, this is a strong story that I want to put in my story bank. Yeah, and I will tell. I feel I will tell this story. Yep. Yep. I'm giving what it an eight. I'm giving it an eight as well. Okay. And I I want to acknowledge the source. So, my that I was I came across this story. One of our partners, uh, Maria Marenko, who's uh, based in Germany, uh, she posted this on her LinkedIn profile, oh, and right. uh, so it was from Maria that I got the idea, and then you know read the article that she referenced, and then did a bit more, bit did more, did a bit more research. But uh, yeah, yeah, kudos to Maria for uh, putting that idea forward. So thanks, Maria, for the inspiration. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, guys. Well, I can do it now. I can I can do the wrap up. So thanks again for listening to Anecdotally Speaking and tune in. Yeah, of course, next week for another story about putting your stories to work. Bye for now. Anecdotally Speaking was engineered by Dave Stokes from author to audio.